life is just too dang short to live stuck in a rut. So if you feel like you're stuck, that you're asking yourself, is this all there is? Take that step back and ask yourself, what do I want a well-lived life to look like? And then when is some time I'm going to really think through my finances? What do I need to get there? And you're already creating a positive outlook on future possibility when you're doing that. And once you figure that out, go for it. Welcome back to Star of the Doubts. I'm your host, Jared Easley, or one of your hosts. Of course, we have Miss Christine with us today. Hi, Miss Christine. How are you? Hello, hello. I'm doing well. How are you doing today? I love it. I, you're always <laughs> doing well, and, and, and I'm grateful. And today, I'm also grateful for our guest, the Jerry Dugan. He's the host of Beyond the Rut, uh, which is a show that helps people achieve their dreams and not compromise their faith or their family or their health and live the life they've dreamed of beyond the rut. Uh, he's been doing this show for several years, and man, I've known Jerry uh, again for for a while now. And it's like Jerry, we need to get you on the show, and he's lowered his standards to be with us today. And uh, Jerry, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you, Jared, and and hi, Christine. How are you? And I don't know about the lowering the standards part because uh, I've been on my end telling everybody, "Hey, the guy that I looked up to that I've been listening to since before I got into podcasting eight years ago, I get to be on that show." And and so they've. They're excited. So my my whole coworking <laughs> team. Well, you've, yeah, no pressure yeah, on you, that. You've moved well. Yeah, you've moved beyond the rut and beyond the start of the doubts podcast, and, and rightfully so. <laughs> uh, but but we're, we're going to start out with our icebreaker that that we ask, or we we mostly ask everyone, and that is, what is the best concert that you have ever been to, Jerry? Oh man, I remember you threw this question on my own show, and the answer is still the same. It wasn't so much a concert <laughs> that I heard like a, a band that anybody would actually know perform in. It was a concert I was in. I was one of the performers and it, I was really into heavy metal. Uh, I played tuba when I was in high school and this was an honor band. Jerry's <laughs> <laughs> oh, such a dork. <laughs> uh, oh, I love the tuba. Don't, uh, don't, yeah. I, Represent I was, the tuba. I was four foot 10 when I decided I was going to play that horn. And it was, it started off as a joke, but when you play that All first right. note and it comes out, <laughs> you're like, yeah, that's playing that. <laughs> So, <laughs> so this was my junior year in high school. It's an honors band concert. We're in concert and tubas don't normally get the love of having a solo to perform. It's a stormy night, thunder, lightning, and just like one measure before the tuba solo kicks in. There's eight of us in the back section. And right before it's our turn, power goes out. And I'm like, Oh no, this is happening. I did not practice for a month with this band and not play because like the band stopped and uh, and like the drummers and everybody stopped. And I'm like, I'm doing it. it who's going to see me? Right. And so uh, I just, I go into it. And I'm like, boom, 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 boom. And, and the, the rest of the tubas are like, oh heck, if he's doing it, we're doing it. And so like we all, all eight of us started doing our solo. And as we were <laughs> doing the solo, the lights start coming back on. The band is like, Oh, we're still playing. And then they come back in and then the, I can start to see the, the band director because enough lights have come back on. And he's like, Oh, heck yes. This is awesome. And you see his face all into it and, uh, standing ovation. Uh, of course, the tubas get up. We forget all decorum in the concert and we start giving each other high fives and stuff. And so that to me was probably the best concert I've ever gone to or been in. I still tell my kids all about it. Like fifth, many more than 15 years later, like 25 years later, but. <laughs> so it was a lot of fun so that is the spirit of a tuba player right there yes and, and i love the fact that out of all the people we've asked that question to i don't think any of them have ever said 
Well, it was the one that I was in. I right. Know, so exactly. I appreciate Not I appreciate your humility and your yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so humble. Yeah. Your ability to not have an ego. Good job. It's not like I could sing. It's not like it was guitar or saxophone. It was a tuba solo, guys. <laughs> yeah, and and you should be proud, and rightfully so. Good. Uh, <laughs> okay, we got another iceberger. This or that, peanut butter or Nutella? Oh, it's definitely Nutella. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Now, unlike uh, Judy so Mayberry, there I is like this weird, food. weird fascination with Nutella. <laughs> I won't taste it. I won't touch it. I won't touch Nutella. You don't like don't Nutella? Know. I just don't touch it. I just never oh. had it. I, I like peanut butter, but I've just okay. never felt the need to well, try we're Nutella. Gonna, we're going to have to fix that right yeah. now. Right there. No, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> Nutella is like peanut you don't butter know what you're missing. with a taste of heaven. That's And hazelnuts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Jerry, Jerry hooked me up, uh, Mr. Steen. He actually brought me a big jar. It's like a lifetime supply. <laughs> you never eat this whole thing of, of, of Nutella and, and brought it to me at one of the podcast movements. And uh, it's the gift that has kept on giving. Oh, and and uh, so Jerry, thank you. And then also you shouldn't have <laughs> three years later uh, working on that jar from Sam's club. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, man, this is, you know, this is a little bit crazy. Uh, <laughs> and I wonder if Jared, uh, well, well, yeah. What, what, what made you yeah, what got you into Nutella, dude? There, oh, like, well, um, or, or was that just a Army. joke that me and Jody just? Well, yeah. I guess for me personally, when I was in the army, stationed in Germany, there was this bakery just in the village, and they had these chocolate croissants. And inside, they baked it with Nutella. And I would hike because I didn't have a car, so I would hike the two or three miles into town. I was in shape, bought as many as I could carry, and then I don't know why I didn't just think to bring a backpack, but. Another time. I'll think about that. (laughs) (laughs) I really love Nutella from that. And then there was, this was probably, this is an old school episode for you. This is probably eight, nine years ago. Uh, You were on the show. Jody Mayberry was on the show and somebody else. And you guys are talking about like fitness guys and people who are like, you know, do you even lift bro? And around that time, from Mm -hmm. what I gathered (laughs) stories, Jody decides to dip like two fingers into a jar of Nutella. And he's on camera, so you all see him doing this, and he like eats this. And the third person <laughs> on the show is like, in Jody's case, it's do you even Nutella, bro? And I was driving to work, and I, was listening. I yep. laughed so hard, I almost caught. Well, I wanted to like tell you guys on Twitter, like that was hilarious, but I couldn't because I was driving. So as soon as I got to work, I shut off the car, and uh, it was worth getting late into the office. And I just tweeted to you and Jody, and I was like, man, hashtag do you even Nutella, bro? I almost got into a wreck laughing so hard at that. Uh, love you guys, and, and, <laughs> it. and so on Twitter, I, I think if you hash, yeah, if you look hashtag do you even Nutella bro, those tweets might still pop up from time to time. So it was just really neat. Thing. That's that's yeah, that, that, that is scary and really cool at the same time. I, I want to check out that German bakery. That sounds like really cool. Oh so, man, uh, in Germany, uh, every, every should I ever go to Germany? Yeah, you should you should, and if you do. Pretty much every small okay. town has a traditional master baker, uh, and they're right next door to a deli, and they work together. So uh, traditionally, you know, somebody in the house gets up early in the morning, goes down to the bakery, buys the breads for the day, buys the cold cuts for the day, and and then they go back home, and then they eat all those fresh foods. It's, it's, it's awesome. Uh, you don't get that in the big cities, but you definitely get them in the small towns. Mm.
So let's do finish this sentence, Jerry. Finish this sentence. If a cat jumps like Superfly Jimmy Snuka on top of you while listening to a podcast, blank. Oh, ouch. <laughs> that was the best I can come up with. Because uh, <laughs> that would be the scream coming out of my mouth as it's flying right at me with claws out and everything. Well, okay, so this actually happened to you. Duggan, right? Oh, yeah, we've got three cats. Yeah, that was definitely Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Uh, yeah. Snuka did not say ho. He did not. But, <laughs> or at least not, not in wrestling. He might, he might have said it in some other context, but we don't know. Oh, Lord. <laughs> so you literally had a jump. I had your cat jump on you while you were listening to a oh. podcast. Uh, in fact, before we got on here, uh, we just got a new couch delivered. Uh, so my wife is very happy and the cats are exploring and they, they're doing like these random parkour moves. Like they're, they're sprinting. And then for no random reason, they're jumping and grabbing the side and using it to propel off even more. And so, yeah, uh, and one <laughs> cat missed the side of the couch and used me as the springboard for whatever leap he was doing. So, yeah, this just happened about 30 minutes ago. I don't know how you guys knew this. This is awesome. I love it. <laughs> no, I, I know I follow you on, on social media and I know you love your cats. And so we had to have them in this episode in some nice. capacity. So thank happy. you for that. Yeah. Cat lives matter. <laughs> now you, you mentioned you're a military veteran and thank you for your service. Can you share with us a funny story from the time you were in the military? <laughs> oh, boy. Jeez, what rated is, what, this show is not explicit rating though, is it? <laughs> there, there, there are children that potentially listen okay, to this episode, okay. uh, Jerry, if you could. <laughs> man, oh man. Okay, I'm, I'm trying to censor them very quickly here. So this is kind of a war story, but at the same time, not. I'll try to tell the short version. So there was this guy, I can't tell you his name, but he was specialist so-and-so. And he was our commander's driver for Bravo Battery, 1st Battalion, 10th Field Artillery. And this is in Kuwait, but this is all through Iraq as well. And, you know, we're on the open desert. So if you have to do number two, I'm sorry, we're going there. You have no privacy. You're, you're out in the open. People are going to see you. And that's pretty much what we had to work with. It's just people knew when you're going to the bathroom because you just sitting randomly in the open desert with a poncho around you. People knew. Well, especially so-and-so was like, <laughs> I, did this. I want privacy and I'm the commander's driver. and Nobody's going anywhere without me anyway. So he got a box, an ammo box. Basically, a hollow box you can use as a seat, and it was just a great impromptu toilet. Grabs a shovel, and he decides to walk out to where he sees some sand dunes. And the desert is deceptive in how far and close things are. So what to him looked like 500 feet away turned out to be a mile. Oh, So we (laughs) walk a mile to get to these sand dunes. And we're like, what's he doing? Like, oh, he's determined to have some privacy. For the special moment. And so he's like got the box, wow. he has the shovel, the toilet paper, and he goes up <laughs> and over the sand dune, and we don't see him anymore. Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> Not sure I like where this is going. Oh man. <laughs> 30 seconds later, a I don't because we couldn't see the other side of the other sand dune, uh, we see two Humvees come up and over into the pit where specialist so and so is, and <laughs> we're like, oh no, this is it. He got hit. He got run over. Now I, as the medic, have to run out there and save him. I'm like, ah, oh, gosh, that's not the way to go if you're going to go. And he was trying to go. Uh, and so a moment later, though, those same Humvees still on the same trajectory come up and over the second sand, sand dune, the one that he walked over to, to leave us and go have his privacy. And there are guys hanging outside the windows and outside the turret, and they all got cameras, and they're all taking photos. 
And then all of a sudden you see his head pop up and he just throws his toilet paper at them and he's mad at them. And he's like flipping them off and everything. And they're like, <laughs> they're holding up like 10, 10 <laughs> and they just continue on. And of course, then he finishes what he needs to do. But I mean, now he's got kind of, he kind of like wrapped up and headed back in. He was so mad. So that was just part one. Part two is we're now like three or four days into the invasion. And we told everybody that when we get into our goose eggs at night, our areas of responsibility, we're going to have our lights off, night vision goggles on, uh, look for Gunny to put you in place. Uh, and they're like, well, how do we know who Gunny is? Well, he's going to be the guy with the chem lights in his helmet. So find that guy and follow him. And so we get into our goose egg commander's vehicle pulls up in the center like it's supposed to. And we saw a specialist. So-and-so get out of the driver's seat, goes to the back of the vehicle. He gets his same wooden box chair. He gets his shovel. And we're watching this with night vision goggles. So I don't know where he plans to go to get privacy. He's thinking it's dark, but we all have night vision goggles. So it really doesn't matter. Now for safety, specialist so-and-so puts in two chem lights in his helmet so that he doesn't get run over by cars. (laughs) <laughs> and he doesn't realize that Gunny had told everybody else, the ammo trucks who don't have radios, follow the guy with the chem lights. So we're watching a night vision goggles, special so-and-so dig a hole, put his box down, sit down, turn around and realize there's a giant truck behind him with ammunition about 10 feet behind him. <laughs> so he gets up, walks another 50 feet, digs another hole, puts his box down, sits down, <laughs> turns around. And that truck is behind him again, 10, 15 feet. And he does this like three or four times. <laughs> and we're like, when's he going to realize they're following him because he's got chem lights in his helmet? They think right. he's Gunny putting them in place. And so then when we can, we can finally hear Gunny running across the desert. So there's another guy with chem lights in his helmet running from our left to our right from like half a mile away or a quarter mile away. And he's yelling at these trucks. Hey, dummies over here. Don't follow that guy. Follow me. Get over here. And we're just like, oh, <laughs> man. And of course, we get on the radio. We're like, guidons, guidons, guidons. Um, do you see the commander's driver over? And everybody's like, oh, yeah, we're watching this. This is a dumpster fire. This is awesome. So poor specialist so-and-so. Poor, yeah, poor guy. And I appreciate you not mentioning his name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, Jerry, one day we'll swap some stories. Oh, I've got some stories like that, but they're not appropriate for this episode. <laughs> uh, but but uh, continuing on. Uh, so we mentioned beyond the rut and there's some people it's like, I don't know, Jerry, I don't know beyond the rut. Uh, what is beyond the rut? All right. So beyond the rut started as a show that a friend of mine wanted to start. It was, he's a pastor and he was just having people approach him weekend after weekend with the same questions. Hey, I'm struggling in my marriage. How do I win my wife back? Or I'm struggling at work. Work sucks. How do I make work better? Hey, I'm struggling financially. Hey, I've got this dream I'm pursuing, but I just feel like I've settled in life. And is this all there really is? And the thing that we discovered was or realized was that all these men are experiencing a rut of some kind. And we're two guys and we had a third uh, buddy on the team at the time. So three guys all working in men's ministry, realizing, you know, a big part of a family is the father figure in the homes that have a father figure, you know, when it's that kind of makeup and they're struggling. They feel lost. They feel like they don't, you know, have any direction where to go. And we want to help those guys realize, no, you still have purpose. You still have a way to make an impact in your family with your kids, with your, your partner and so on. So let's do that. Let's help these guys. And so for the last six years, we've been just sharing stories of folks who felt stuck in a rut at some point in their lives had an aha moment and then took practical steps to 
pursue and even fulfill a dream that they had. And our hope is that people listen to these stories, find themselves in those stories, pull out some practical pieces of advice, apply it to their own lives and get themselves onto a new path and live the life they always dreamed of. Now, you've been the host of Beyond the Rut for a long time. Um, What are some stories that stand out to you since you have started the show? Oh, man, there's a bunch. Uh, But (laughs) I think the ones that seem to come up the most, uh, there was a guy, he's from a website called TravelTall.com, Eric Giuliani. Mm -hmm. And I think this stands out to me because at the time, he and I had similar jobs, education consultants. And he had realized he'd never really left his town and really explored the world. He traveled a lot because of his work. But it was the same small town, same small looking school, saying the same sales pitch. So he was more of a salesperson as opposed to developing learning content. So that was like the biggest difference, but that's not important. The thing for him is he felt trapped. He felt like, you know, he's already in his late 20s, going into his 30s, and he hasn't seen the world. He's got these vacation days he hasn't used. And so he just turned to his boss and said, Hey, I want to take some time off and I want to take more than just a week or two. I want to take. 30 days. I want to go to Thailand. I want to live there for that month and then come back. I just feel like I need to do this. So he did. And they let him take a leave of absence as well. So I think he was gone a little bit more than 30 days. So he comes back. Turns out his company didn't want him back. They're like, hey, no, we we don't think it's going to work anyway. So off you go. And so he was like now jobless because he took some time off for himself. And so he just kind of thought about life. He was like, well, I felt stuck before I took this vacation, but now I've taken this vacation. And I don't want to go back into an office. I don't want to go back into this routine of going to the same type of small town, same type of small school and say the same thing for the next 20, 30 years of my life. What do I really want to do? And for him, it was to travel the world, take photographs, take video and share that with other people and share with the world that there is more out there than what we think and what we realize. And so he realized a couple of things. One, he didn't know how to take photos. He didn't know how to take video. He didn't own a camera. (laughs) And uh, and so this guy, Eric, decides, I'm going to sign up for a class on how to do photography. Still didn't have a camera. He shows up. He's one of like seven students. They all have like these DSLR cameras and he has an iPhone. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He took the, uh, the second level of the class as well, bought a camera off his teacher and spent a year living off of his savings, learning, like really honing in his craft. And after that year, takes off to travel the world. I forget how many miles, but he does this for three years where he bartered hotel with hotels, photos, videos. I'll help you with your website. And in exchange, give me some room and board. And and then on top of that, I'm not going to travel by air. And so now it's by boat, by car, by bus, train, that kind of thing. And he did that for three years. He just published a book called Into the Sky. And, uh, yeah, I check in on him from time to time. It's just really neat to hear his story that he went for it. You know, people kind of freak out like, well, what did you do for insurance? What did you do for income? Like this guy made it happen because his dream was to capture the world through pictures and video. And he did so. So he had his own private thing going on. And then to make ends meet or to get to the next hotel, he did these barter deals. So that's one of the many stories that stands out. I love it. Okay. So. Man, great story. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I, I wish Star of the Delta had great stories like that. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. <laughs> it's like Christine and I are like, uh, where did your Alan Iverson jersey? 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, that, that's the end of it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, so you've done the show as a solo host. You've done the show as a co-host with Brandon and uh, with whom you mentioned loosely earlier. Mm-hmm. What are some things you liked about co-hosting this podcast? Oh man. Uh, in some ways you get to share the load. Uh, so yeah, uh, Brandon was in charge of scheduling the guests. I was in charge of making sure the equipment and the connection worked and the editing happened. And then in the interview itself, you know, Brandon and I both probably have ADHD. So it helped <laughs> at, at least one of us was focused at any given time. And oh, no. <laughs> yes. And then there were times where we both weren't and we wound up, you know, sometimes we kept that in, sometimes we took that out, but it allowed us to take conversations in directions we normally wouldn't. So I would have an idea of like, oh, this conversation's going this way. And then Brandon would ask a question I didn't even think about and to take us way deeper than I thought we could go with that guest. And so that I think is one of the things I loved about having a co-host and then just the fun of doing this journey with somebody else and having these like common stories we could share. When we still talk about the interview with Lee Cockrell, we talk about the interview with, you know, Jared, Jody, Dan Cockrell, you know, just uh, Eric Giuliani comes up almost all the time. And, you know, just having these stories and somebody who I, I could share them with and have these conversations with is always cool. Now, has the podcast ever created any awkwardness with your day job? No. And part of that is because a big part of it is we do almost all our recording on a Saturday. And mm. so still to this day, uh, we do what's called batch recording. For those who don't know what it is, you just pile all your interviews on one day and you don't do it again for another month or so. And that's what we've been doing for years. So first Saturday of the month, we get together, we record with our guests. If we don't have any guests, we record with each other. And then we just figure out the release schedule after that. And then if we ever use stories from work, we're really good about not sharing anybody's names. And for the most part, we didn't really share with folks where we worked. And if we did, we always throw in a little disclaimer. Hey, these represent my own ideas, not my employer, whoever I'm working for right now. (laughs) And so that's that's been very helpful. And what we have found, though, is we've had coworkers who love the show and will actually recommend guests for us. Hey, you ought to talk to so-and-so. You got to talk to so-and-so. And those have been great. Mm-hmm. And then it's just awesome to be able to go into work and somebody say, hey, I love the episode today with so-and-so. Like, yes. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm curious, uh, Jerry, what are some of the books or podcasts that you've read or listened to that have influenced you in a positive way? Oh, man. So as far as books, uh, in fact, we were just talking about this yesterday during a leadership development session. There was a book, but it's still a book, and it's still out there. It's called How to Win <laughs> Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. Uh-huh. And mm-hmm. there was a five-year stint where I kicked off every year by reading that book. So I've read that book five times, five years back to back. And a lot of what I find myself doing when I'm in conversation is from that book. And then as far as podcasts... <laughs> it's kind of like my tuba story, <laughs> you, know, you know, being all arrogant instead of humble. It's now at a point where it's, I realize I listen to my show more than anybody else's. And when I say mm-hmm. that, I laugh. <laughs> it's like, what? And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not because of me. I don't listen to him and go, wow, I sound good. Or, hey, you know, Jerry, you are a very smart guy. It's because of the guests that we've had on the show. Uh, so there are certain mm-hmm. episodes that I'll just listen to over and over again. And sometimes to critique the show to make it better. But a lot of times it's because something the guest said was very profound and I just needed to hear it again uh, or get a little bit more gleaned from that episode. There's a whole, I'm I'm a bit of a podcast junkie, so I, I listen to a lot. 
Now we're going to have you give us uh, your best tip or thoughts on a few subjects. We're going to start with marriage. Ah, she is right. She is right. <laughs> okay. No, seriously. Ladies like next question. <laughs> okay. Your best tip or thought on personal finance. Oh, man. You got to live below your means. Mm-hmm. That way you have the margin to invest in a future you don't have yet. Okay. Good point. Well, so, yeah. What about time management? Yes. Schedule. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You definitely got to schedule what's most important first and protect that. So what I mean for me is to have that balance with my faith, my family, my fitness, my finances, and so on. It's given priority to my family. You know, big events, time with my spouse, things like that. And, you know, just time in the morning for my own spiritual wake-up call in a sense. And also squeezing in that fitness time. Because when I don't, then the whole day is just kind of like be answering to other people's stuff. Um, so yeah. scheduling what's most important first, making that time and blocking it and protecting it. Accountability. Got to have it. Got to have it. Uh, <laughs> you don't have to go as far as just telling the whole world every single thing you want to do. But have a few trusted folks that they can come to you at any time with feedback, with calling you out on something. And when you're called out on something, own it. And have the courage to own it. So that's probably the biggest thing with accountability is having the courage to receive that accountability and take responsibility mm-hmm. for it. Well said. What about cooking? Cooking? Thoughts on cooking? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. It is worth learning how to do. It's just especially so tying this in with marriage, a great way to connect with your partner, your spouse is learn how to cook together and work together as a team. And I think as you cook more and more dishes together, you're creating some quality time all the time. So definitely something worth doing. Christine is really good at making uh, pizza and what else? <laughs> <laughs> hot Macaroni pockets. <laughs> not, not hot pockets. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So your best tip or thought on hiking? Oh, man. Hydrate, hydrate, hydrate. That'd probably be number one. Number two is pretty much navigation. You got to know how to navigate the land that you're hiking, especially if you're one of those folks who likes to get off the beaten path. Or if you want to go to sand dunes that you think are 500 yards away. (laughs) Yeah, the desert is so darn deceptive. Oh, yeah, over there. Yeah, bring bring a shovel. Yeah. Oh, my God. (laughs) Now, Jerry, who's doing something that interests you? Oh, man. I think somebody who caught my attention right before podcast movement was Jeff Brown from Read to Lead. Uh-huh. Uh, so he's had this long career in radio. He's had this podcast where you just listen to that smooth voice of his. I know that sounds weird, but just roll with it. But he finally <laughs> <laughs> he finally partnered with somebody to pull all those thoughts together on why reading is so important, how it can impact you. And so he, he's somebody I've noticed who's just taking the concepts of his show packaged it for his following and those he doesn't have as a following yet and leveraged the skills and talents of a co-author and launched it. So I understand that's like a, a stretch beyond his comfort zone to, to do that. And it caught my attention. So Jeff's been doing that for a really long time, uh, meaning the podcast and for him to finally be able to get to that point. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. I'm really happy for him. What's the best place for listeners to connect with you online and download their copy of the Measure It to Make It Workbook? Nice. So yeah, Measure It to Make It is a workbook I put together to help you 
identify your values, what you really want in life at the end. So what does your life look like by the time you get to the end of that life? And what does it look like in the areas of your faith, your family, your fitness, your finances, and future possibility? You can go to beyondtherut.com slash goals. There it has a nice long write-up about weight loss for some weird reason. Oh, because goals. <laughs> and uh, you can just download it from there. It gets you, you have an option to sign up for the e-newsletter, but you don't have to sign up for that. And uh, yeah, you'll get your free copy, work through it. And uh, if you run into any questions, just email me at info at beyondtherut.com and ask your questions about that. I'll walk you through it. So, All right. Awesome. Do you have any final thoughts for our listeners? Oh, man. Uh, life is just too dang short to live stuck in a rut. So if you feel like you're stuck, that you're asking yourself, is this all there is? Take that step back and ask yourself, what do I want a well-lived life to look like? And then when is some time I'm going to really think through? What does it look like spiritually for me? Who are the relationships I want to have? What is my fitness level I really want to have? My finances, what do I need to get there? And you're already creating a positive outlook on future possibility when you're doing that. And once you figure that out, go for it. Make that new path and live life beyond that rut. Love it. Jerry, uh, so proud of you, man. I've seen you, in a sense, kind of grow up online. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and yeah, you've you just been a really kind uh, gentleman. You've been a good friend. And uh, it's just a super honor to have you on the show and um, excited to see what's to come. So thank you for joining me and uh, Miss Christine tonight. Thank you. Uh, Christine, Jared, thanks for having me on here. I am very excited and I can't wait to see this come out. Mm-hmm.